Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for jumping on board along with my co-host of five and a half years and friends since high school gym class, R.G. Seal. So how was your NBA All-Star watch party, R.G.? There was an NBA All-Star game. What's this? <laughs> Did you watch any of it? The skills competition, three-point, slam dunk, anything? You mean between that and watching True Detective or something else? On I mean, I didn't watch like much of the NBA All-Star game. I mean, I did watch a little bit of like, like you said, the three-point highlights. I did watch that and I, I caught a few minutes of the NBA All-Star game. But to be honest with you, I mean, it's it's lost its luster to me, especially with today's NBA. I mean, all the stars kind of come and they form super teams and they play together. And so you get to see them on the court together, a lot of them anyway. And then... You know, they play this up-tempo style of basketball without much defense. So, I mean, that's pretty much what the All-Star game is, right? You know, guys not playing D and a bunch of superstars on the court and having fun. And, I mean, you know, it's not what it used to be. And I, I it's not only the NBA. It's all sports. I mean, the Major League Baseball All-Star game is probably still my favorite one just because of the traditions between the American League and the National League and stretching back to the days of Babe Ruth going up against Carl Hubble in the first game, right? But, I mean, if you're looking at any of these All-Star games, I mean, it's really to – it's almost just kind of a way to say, hey, thank you. You're a great player. Let's have a weekend dedicated to the sport, a showcase for the sport, which, you know, I can understand from a marketing PR business uh, perspective, but overall, like the game, I mean, it just doesn't mean anything or the result. It's, I mean, it's just an exhibition game. Maybe we're too old for this, RG. I mean, I feel like you got to be a, a kid maybe to, oh, yeah, I want to see, you know, so and so on the court with so and so. You know, maybe that's it. Well, like I said, again, these days you kind of see all that. You saw like LeBron James and Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh playing together. Now you see Kevin Durant and uh, uh, Steph Curry playing together. And, you know, I mean, that's all all well and fine to see the players playing together. But I mean, remember back, you know, I hate to remember back in the day, guy, I don't want to be that. But, you know, in the in the 80s, like growing up when we were kids watching basketball, like with, you know, Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, they wanted to beat each other even in the All-Star game. I mean, they, there was no hold bar. The East wanted, and the West were – they were, you know, wanting to, to, to win that game. So, you know, Isaiah Thomas wasn't going to give Magic Johnson a pass. Bill Lambeer wasn't, right? I mean, these guys were – they were, um, that's why they were, you know, just different type of style of play. I know the games change again. It's it's just not the same. A lot of these guys are friends. And I mean, it's in all sports. It's not just basketball. It's in baseball, too. It's in football. And the, I mean, the all-star game is just it's a different spectacle now. It's more just to get everybody together. And, you know, it, the, it's an entertainment spectacle. So, yeah, I mean, for that, it's cool. And you put together the the teams with like LeBron picking or and this year um, Giannis picking from the Greek freak, you know, you have those type of things, you do it, but it's just, it's not the same where it was like old all-star games. You could at least maybe have a, a hint of, of competition there where the, the two sides, you know, really wanted to win now. Just, I mean, I, I just don't see that. Do you, do you think that the, either of these sides care about whether or not they're going to win the game? Well, if you want to pick two sides that hate each other, maybe we should just put the agents versus the GMs in the NBA. Yeah. <laughs> hey, there you go. Another activity to add to all-star weekend. You're, you're thinking outside the box there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, don't care about the All-Star game. I, I still end up watching the three-point contest. It's kind of fun that the TNT guys have got to be super annoying and just yelling and screaming for no reason, and I, I don't enjoy that. The skills competition, 
uh, it's relatively worthless, I think. The, the, the three-point contest, though, it could still be fun. I mean, you had Dirk in there last time you were going get, to get to see Dirk in the three-point competition, and it had been, like, over a decade, I think, since he had been in one of those. And, you know, Steph Curry's in the three-point competition in front of his home crowd. But, there's, I mean, just watching Steph Curry shoot, to me, is, like, artistry or something like that. And whoever Joe Harris is, he won. That. No, I knew who Joe Harris was. He's good. He's a really good three-point uh, shooter. I mean, the, the guy's having a great year and kind of come out of nowhere. He's cut by a couple of teams. Good story. But the three-point was was fun. The slam dunk, it's weird because I think you get desensitized to what these guys can do. But, you know, Diallo's still dunking over Shaq. And anybody that can jump over Shaq's, you know, head that's about, you know, it's one of those, like, what are those heads that you, you hold up at the games called, RG? What are those things called? The big heads or whatever? That, that's what it's like looking like. Cone with, heads? Maybe you should have that. Yeah, not cone heads, but it, it had its moments. There was a couple of moments in the dunk competition. I don't watch it live. I, you know, I've got the DVR so I can fast forward through. And especially if a guy's going to sit there and try to dunk it 15 times and miss. I hate that part of the dunk competition now. I don't remember Jordan like missing dunks left and right or uh, Dominique Wilkins missing dunks or Dr. J. So... Uh, but, that, you know, he was able to dunk over Shaq and he puts his, you know, he did grab his shoulder a little bit, but he hung his elbow. He ends up with his elbow inside the rim and he, you know, he pulls out, you know, pulls away his shirt. He's got the pull away Superman underneath the shirt as he's hanging up on the rim. That was cool. I thought that was something. But, I can't, you know, this, like you said, the all-star game, it's unwatchable. It's like, it, it's, this is like summer league basketball at its worst. You know, guys not playing defense. They're walking up and down the floor just doing stupid stuff. Yeah, I, I get it. I mean, might as well watch the Harlem Globetrotters and have some fun against the Washington Generals, right, where you see just a bunch of different, like, uh, theatrics there. But, uh, you know, maybe one solution to it would be I – you know, I don't know with now with the extended time off with the game, you know, where you have several days, I would put it in foreign countries because you're trying to grow the game anyway. You know, it'd be kind of fun to, you know, to at least watch if you're, you're putting it in front of a, a, you know, an audience in China or you're putting it in front of an audience in London or you're putting it in front of an audience in, in Paris. I mean, I would look to expand the game and make it global because it is a global game. And maybe maybe there you you go, you know, you have your all-star festivities and you even have some of the local teams playing and some of the some of the games leading up to it against you know maybe first or second year nba players that aren't playing in the all-star game just stuff like that to just bring more of an international flavor to the game because i just think it's run its course here like you said i mean it's it's fun it has all of these different type of showcases to it with a three-point shooting contest and the dunk contest and by the time you get to the actual game i mean you're already you see the celebrity game too we forgot about that one you you finally get to the the actual game and it's almost anticlimactic and then it's a bunch of yeah no d just chunking up shots yeah i mean you get to see your favorite players but it really does seem anticlimactic is china gonna appreciate j cole though that's that's the real question you know <laughs> I, I don't know but hey uh let's let's get to the rockets because before the break they lose a, a bad one an ugly one against the t wolves are you nervous, RG, at all about them making the playoffs? They're just two games ahead of the eighth spot in the no, West. No, not about – come on. I just – I mean, I know you're trying to like, oh, there are only a few games from the you know last playoff spot is panic time. I'm not – you know, that's not – I'm more – 
just how they're going to be playing the second half of the season here, the last 25 games. And I, I Tillman Fertitta was interviewed by the Houston press here before the, the start of the second half of the season and said that, you know, we the, the Rockets have 25 games left and it's time to show what they're really made of. And, and he pointed out, which is the case, that they really have not had James Harden, Chris Paul, Clint Capella and Eric Gordon on the the court together. That, except that for may never game. happen the way Chris Paul and, and Eric Gordon are. Right. But I mean, getting Clint Capella back is huge. Now I mentioned about it. The last program to me, this guy is like you said, when he went out, I mean, he's the second best player on the Rockets. I mean, after James Harden now with, with Chris Paul, not playing as a superstar level and with that contract in the future. Uh, I mean, you really have to look at it as Clint Capella, you know, uh, again, that was a Great signing by the Rockets in the offseason to, to to get him under contract because he's one of the best centers in the game. He's their rim protector. He kind of fortifies that defense. He's a, a really good rebounder. So it'll be interesting to get him back on the court and part of the team. And they and they have added to their depth. They have Fareed, Kenneth Fareed. They have, you know, Austin Rivers. So they, they've kind of expanded that rotation that, that can come off the bench now. So it's a matter of like they, – but you're right. They're going to have to take up – they're 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 going to have to play a lot better because you know they're, they they don't want to be the eighth seed for one they don't want to be the eighth seed and playing Golden State of course but you know they want to position themselves and play well so that they're heading into the playoffs with some momentum and maybe even get up to the four or the three seed and have home court advantage in the first round. Well, I'm going to point out that they've got a middle of the pack schedule, but the Jazz that are one game behind them have one of the easiest schedules. I think it's the second easiest. In the NBA, the rest of the season, they had a real difficult early schedule. Uh, there's a good chance that the Jazz could could move past them again. Just one game ahead. That that's it. Uh, the San Antonio Spurs are right behind as well, a game back. And we know what Greg Popovich can do as a head coach, and he's always great as the season goes on. And uh, yeah, the Clippers they've sort of deconstructed things a little bit with the roster. But the Kings are right there. They're, uh, the Lakers, LeBron James, uh, I don't know if you've heard of him, RG. But well, I think the good. Lakers are going to get into the playoffs. I still think that they're going to make a run in the second half and get in there. But the other ones you're mentioning me, I look, everybody, you can always say strength of schedule, but you know how it is in the NBA. It's back-to-backs. It's injuries. I mean, the Jazz, who knows how they'll be the second half of the season. I'm, you know, it's I, – I, I just – I don't – cares much about strength of schedule i just am looking at the rockets and what they potentially can do and with their roster and being at you know having these guys now back and ready to play because for i mean a big chunk of time they haven't had clint capella a big chunk of the season they didn't have chris paul i mean all these guys yes they could get injured but that could happen with any team i mean you could say the same thing about utah well rudy gobert could go out with an injury and uh, you know because he's had injury problems in the past remember i mean it's just like you know, you, you have those those the, the NBA. It, it's about, you know, who whoever's healthiest at playoff time. I mean, we saw that last year. I mean, if Chris Paul's healthy, the last two games uh, that the Rockets played last year, game six and seven of the NBA Western Conference finals, then the Rockets probably advance and win a championship. Well, let's talk about what happens if they do get into the playoffs, because Markeith Morris signed with the Thunder last week. That was a buyout guy. The Rockets wanted really. There's nobody of any consequence left. There's still a chance more guys could get bought out, but some of the guys that you wanted, like Wes Matthews and Wayne Ellington are off the board. It looks like the Rockets saved all that money and these roster spots for nothing at this point. It's a bench of uh, Gerald Green, Austin Rivers, uh, Amon Shumpert, and Fareed that I just don't think is good enough to 
make a real run in the playoffs. They badly needed to take some minutes also away from P.J. Tucker, who's three-point shooting. RG, it's taken a sharp downturn as the season has gone on. That tells me his legs are gone. And the Marquis Boris thing hurts because, I mean, they could really use somebody to help at the four. I don't know how they take away minutes of, from P.J. Tucker at the four unless you're going to play, you know, maybe Amon Shumpert there or something like that as, as, it, as it goes on. But I don't know who uh, – it's tough to figure out who D'Antoni trusts right now. I guess I'm a little bit in disagreement with you here because to me the biggest part of the second half of the season is going to be seeing, A, you know, can can Clint Capella come back in and be impactful there the, 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 with the defense, the rim protector, because they need to be able to stop. We saw in the Minnesota game, they couldn't stop. They couldn't play defense. So the first thing is fortify the defense. I mean, they have to play better defense. The second thing to me, the big thing is Chris Paul. Look, this guy's supposed to be a superstar. He signed the, the big long-term contract. He has not played up to his abilities the first half of the season. Can we agree on that? He's not played very well, or at least what we expect to him to be. I mean, he's had his moments here and there, and he was starting the round into shape but he's got to play extraordinary basketball over the second half of the season while he is on the court if those things happen then you have like James Harden doesn't have to be the Superman every single game Chris Paul is there to help shoulder the burden you have an improved defense with Clint Capella you have Eric Gordon who remember didn't start out the season shooting well he also can play much better this second half of the season and then you have P.J. Tucker, hopefully light and load. But I still like the bench. Remember last last playoff, the Rockets almost went to the finals, and their bench was essentially – they didn't have Mabu Butte. Uh, I mean, so coming off the bench was Eric Gordon because Trevor Ariza was in the starting lineup. And, and then you had Nene, who's still there, uh, and he was in and out. Um, and and then you had uh, Gerald Green, you know, coming off the bench. So you're saying, oh, the benches and all that. I actually think it's better in a lot of ways, other than Eric Gordon, who was, you know, six man of the year candidate. But, you know, having Iman Schubert, who's a defensive stopper, who you can put in there. You can have Kenneth Fareed who can come in, give you the energy. Again, if you have him playing with Quint Capella or coming in replacing, you can have you can put Nene in for spots. And then you have Austin um, Rivers, who's turned out to be a very good three point shooter. And, you know, last year they didn't have Luke Mabuabutai in the playoffs. He was basically kind of done. I mean, it's just the Rockets had accumulated a lot of regular season victories. So they, they're they going to have to play much better this second half of the season because, like you said, they're not guaranteed anything. They they have, you know, the West is very tight. They haven't played well up to this point. And they've given away a lot of victories that they should have had in the first half of the season. So So now it's put up or shut up time. They've got to play a lot better. Yeah, you said uh, Austin Rivers, good three-point shooter. 32.9% with the Rockets, 34.9% in his career. Nothing special. I think he's been dealing with some hand issues, uh, maybe an injury that's hurting his shooting a little bit. But haven't you seen him when he came over the Rockets? He made an immediate impact and he was really hitting the threes and he seemed to be finding a groove here. Don't you feel that way? But, I mean, that's adrenaline, right? I mean, with any new team. You're... But even so, but if you can give minutes off the bench, that's what you need. They don't need him for 35 minutes unless, like, Chris Paul goes out and gets injured, which, you know, again, knock on wood, hope that doesn't happen. But you just need some guy to be able to give you, you know, the, that that energy off the bench and come in and see if he can hit, it, hit those shots. The other thing, you know, he tries hard defensively. Gerald Green tries more defensively this year than I've seen him in the past. But neither one of those guys I would call a good defender. Fareed's not a good defender. Shumpert's the only good defender that they've got off the bench. And, you know, the starting lineup is decent. Uh, uh, you know, obviously, you know, we, we have trust in P.J. Tucker and Clint Capella defensively and Chris Paul, uh, you know, except for his size. We see on switches that they get hurt on that. But 
you know, they're still 22nd in defensive efficiency and, and they're way too small right now. RG length and size still matter in basketball. When you're playing this midget three guard starting lineup, you got no real size coming off the bench. I just don't think it's the formula for winning in the playoffs unless your talent, unless these small guys are just so overwhelming, which I don't think they quite are. I just don't think that it's just there's enough overwhelming talent, even with the size of their guys. I mean, I do agree with you that size is going to be a problem and that, you know, that rebounding. I mean, they've had problems rebounding all all year long and and you're going to want to have at least some of that. But. I mean, let's still uh, Daryl Morey. I mean, they're still tinkering with the roster. There could be potential, more potential buyout candidates. I mean, we'll see what happens. But I mean, you have to go again with kind of like the Rockets. This, you know, this uh, upcoming second half of the season, and then the playoffs. Uh, I mean, I I do feel like at least if they can have you know Clint Capella in there and healthy. And, and, and being that stalwart on defense. And then you have, you know, and Nene can come in and give you size off the bench. I, I mean, I know that's asking a lot here because he's a veteran and he can only give you, he doesn't play back-to-backs and only a few minutes. But in the playoffs, it'll be a different story. And and they did get Kenneth Fareed, not exactly, you know, the the, the big size, but at least they've, they've tried to, at least, you know, make improvements to the roster during the season here. And and we'll see, uh, you know, uh, as with the NBA, it all depends on matchups, who you're going up against. And, you know, the Rockets play that switching defense. So, I mean, we'll see which it's been it's been beneficial for them playing against a Golden State. who is ultimately who they want to get by, as Daryl Morey's always said. Well, who are you trying to beat? You're trying to beat the Golden State Warriors or the gold standard. So, I mean, they've kind of constructed their roster for, for that. But. You know, now, again, like, you know, coming into the playoffs, it's going to be a whole different story. The game slows down. You're going to have to make defensive stops and you're going to have to find ways to, you know, be imaginative offensively score when the defenses are clamping, clamping down on you. So that's also going to be something we look out for. You know, a lot of it's like, you know, we have our, you know, old friend, a former co-host on the program, like, it, it wake me up when the playoffs start. I mean, it'll be fun to watch the second half of the season, but it's really going to be interesting when the playoffs start because we're really going to know what, you know, like what Kobe Bryant said. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, what's James Harden going to do in the playoffs with all those minutes that he's logged in the regular season? And when, you know, he can't really take over games by himself there, he's going to have to depend on other teammates. I mean, it's going to be a whole different type of game in the playoffs. Quick shout out to some of our listeners. Uh, Eddie Hassan lives in uh, Boston, but wrote that he'd be listening to us on a visit to Pakistan last week. How about that? Also want to say hello to Divya. Fantastic to hear the women Houston sports talk listeners rapping a little bit. Definitely want it to be a female friendly show. I hear a lot of sports talk out there that I wouldn't want my mom or my little nieces to listen to. So love to hear from Divya. Also want to say hello to Stephen Kerr in Austin who spoke uh, with me a little bit. Uh, we, we talked uh, on the phone, but also uh, he wrote something really nice. He said uh, that uh, you guys do an excellent job in bringing together current sports perspective and all the great memories of past Houston legends and teams. So thanks so much to Steven for that. Thanks uh, to all of our listeners. And if you're a fan of us and maybe you have a business or you'd like to promote, let us know. We're looking for partnerships. Uh, we'd love if you'd reach out to us the email is in the show each show description, so you, you can't say you can't find it. Uh, and we've also added a nearly complete list of our guests over the last few years on our website, HoustonSportsTalk.net. Just go to the About section and you'll find it. It's a, it's a list that even kind of uh, really impresses myself when I look back at who we've talked to, so it's pretty cool. Uh, 
Um, RG, any more NBA stuff, or do you want to talk about the real, the most dominant team in the city of Houston? Or what right are now? what are kind of like your three big storylines heading into the second half of the season? What would you say NBA wise? What you're looking out for? Uh, I'm just uh, hoping that maybe there's a nick or a cut or something that you can. Uh, get into Golden State with because it it looks like as the season's gone on and you see Draymond getting healthier and you see Boogie Cousins looking way better than we thought he was going to look. I mean, I don't, I just, it looks like the West is, you know, them and then it's just maybe everybody else. I mean, Paul George playing out of his mind right now and Oklahoma City might be a little bit dangerous. They can play some defense. Uh, Steven Adams is a horse inside. He, he could bother Boogie, but you know, it's, being able to score with uh, Golden State, and I don't really know if OKC can. The East is going to be just a joy to watch because you've got you know four teams that could come out of the East, and you have no idea who's going to put it all together going into the playoffs. So that to me, that's the the storyline that maybe fascinates me the most. And I think one of those teams will have the best chance to beat Golden State uh, in the NBA. Fi- I mean, in the playoffs, period, not just in the NBA Finals. Yeah, I guess I have to throw in big. Yeah, I know you'll probably hate this, but I, throwing in the Los Angeles Lakers just because LeBron James is there, you know, in danger of potentially missing the playoffs. What's going to happen with Luke Walton? What you know, are, is Magic Johnson already looking towards the offseason and hiring his his next head coach? So uh, to me, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens in Los Angeles because, I mean, if they can make the playoffs, eight or seven spot. I mean, how much? How far could they go in the playoffs, too? I mean, that's a team, if LeBron is healthy and with the young talent uh, surrounding the Lakers, you know, and even some of the veteran pickups that they've made, uh, that that could be an exciting, uh, you know, potentially development there. Also, I, I agree with you totally, like Eastern Conference, that's that's one of the big, who's going to come out of there? We talked about it last week, the, the top four teams in the Eastern Conference. And, and I think that was a good one that you brought up about Oklahoma City, because they kind of have gone under the radar, just the way that they played the, the first half of the season. And to me, that's going to be, who is really going to be the number two team in the Western Conference that's going to, you know, really challenge Golden State, you know, coming out of the West this year. I, we all assumed it would be the Rockets. That would be it. There were people also picking the Los Angeles Lakers, you know, because LeBron had arrived there. You know, and that's really we haven't talked about Portland. We haven't talked about Oklahoma City much, uh, you know, and those are the teams that, you know, look like now that they could really kind of challenge, uh, you know, the Golden State Warriors, at least out of the West even though Golden State's by and large, they're the best team and they should be going back to the NBA finals. Portland? I'm just saying that, you know, that by, based on their first half of the season, even kind of the, the acquisition they made of the deadline, you know, they, they are somebody that you can't ignore. I don't put them in Golden State standard. I still think with the Rockets, I still think if they're healthy, like Chris Paul has said, in a seven-game series, we can beat anybody. So I, I still would put, you know, the Rockets. But a lot of people aren't talking about the Rockets because they, they had a very disastrous kind of, for, at least for their standards, other than James Harden's, you know, record-setting, you know, 30 point game, you know, streak that's still continuing. I mean, they've had, you know, a disappointing first half of the season, make no bones about it. So who of those other teams, you know, and the the Lakers are not even in the playoff picture right now. So they were the teams that were talked about beforehand. Hey, they could potentially challenge. So then you were talking about OKC. Depends who you talked about with the Lakers, because a lot of people thought, you know, that they weren't going to be able to put it together and it's LeBron out West instead of out East and this very young roster that he has and a bunch of mismatch, you know, kind of guys that you just, you you might not want for the chemistry of your team. And right now in Las Vegas, they're not even 
for the first time all season, they're not even favored to be in the playoffs. I mean, if you're betting for them to make the playoffs, you're going to, you know, have a good chance to make money if they do, because they're, they're not favored anymore. Well, guess who the Rockets start off their second half with looking forward to it. Uh, looking forward to the most dominant team in Houston sports right now. And I, to watch their games because uh, RG, the Houston Cougars, they keep rolling. I, I watched them beat Mike Dunleavy and his Tulane green wave. Of course, the Mike Dunleavy that uh, you might remember as a starter on the Rockets uh, finals NBA team in, in 1981. RG, you remember that? He was a starter on that team. Yeah, that's a great story you have there. I guess you don't remember Mike Denley starting for the Rockets. By well, you're talking about like something that, I mean, barely an imprint in my mind at that age. Yeah, well, you were, I don't know, you're probably 10 years old at the time. But uh, back to the Cougs, uh, it was an eight-point lead at the half. They take uh, a page out of Golden State in the second half. They win by 35. I mean, just uh, remarkable. They're 25-1 and one now, number eight in the coaches, coaches poll, number four in the all-important net rating rankings, which uh, they're like the new RPI. You know, I'd say a number two seed in the tournament is not just realistic right now. It's likely, uh, believe it or not, a number two seed, the Houston Cougars. Yes, the Houston Cougars, when they lost Rob Gray, I don't think we saw this happening. Uh, RG, quick trivia, by the way, before the Cougs won in the tourney last year, they hadn't won an NCAA tournament game since the 1984 Final Four do you remember who they beat in the final four? Everybody, of course, remembers that they lost to Patrick Ewing and Georgetown in the finals. But do you remember who they beat to get there? Gosh, uh, you know, I remember the year before because it was beating, of course, uh, Louisville and the Doctors of Dunk versus Faisal Amajama uh, to go up against the. Yeah, well, you're trying to forget as the NC State. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, we remember them losing to the NC State team. And it wasn't it w- was it the uh, North Carolina team? No, they the North Carolina they lost to in the eighty two final four. They lost to Virginia in the uh eighty four final four. Or they won they beat Virginia. That's the team. That's the answer to the trivia question is they beat Virginia. Strangely, no Ralph Sampson on that team. Well, he was with the Rockets that year, right? Correct. Right. He's been with the Rockets, but you know, that Ralph Sampson teams, if I remember right, they never got to the final four with Sampson and then he leaves and then they get into the final four. That season, oh, you're correct. You're correct. They never did go to the final four. I remember reading about that with that with Ralph Sampson. Sure, sure, you're right. But when U of H beat Virginia, they did have a young player by the name of Rick Carlisle. Rick Carlisle was on that team, so the, the Mavericks coach. Uh, so yeah, the U of H uh, basketball team. If you haven't watched it, check it out. Go to a game at that New Fertitta Center. Uh, it's extraordinary. Um, we've got a new team in Houston that's a candidate for. The best team in the city. Nobody's talking about RG. You got any idea of who I could be talking about? The Astros are starting up spring training. What are you talking about? Well, the, everybody's talking about the Astros. Nobody's talking about. A little round of applause for the Rice Owls women's basketball team. They just moved into the top 25 for the first time in school history. And just uh, check this out. After losing their first two games, which were to Texas A&M and UCLA, both ranked in the top 25 right now. They've won 22 of 23. The record is 23 and three. Their only other loss was to North Carolina. They're doing this with local Cywoods high school products all over the place. And and I I know this because I did a story for Fox Sports Southwest on the Cywoods team four years ago. You can, you know, YouTube that. It's still up there. Uh, Later that year, 
that Cy Woods team won the state title. They had two of the Ogwamaki sisters, Erica, who was on ESPN's top 100 list coming out of high school. So, I mean, for Rice to get a top 100 player in women's basketball is pretty extraordinary. And and her sister, Olivia, uh, some of you might know about their older sisters, WNBA All-Stars, Shanae and Neka. Shanae, a lot of pe- people might have seen her doing analysis on ESPN, but Erica and Olivia went to Pepperdine, transferred back to Rice. Then last year, another Cy Woods teammate, six foot nine inch Nancy Mulkey, who had gone to OU, transferred back to Rice. And RG, I can tell you, I stood next to Nancy Mulkey. She's a legitimate six foot nine. She's big, big, tall. You don't see six foot nine players much in women's basketball. And Erica and Nancy are their two leading scorers. Their third and fourth leading scorer played at the Woodlands and Duquesne. So local Houston area people as well. Basically, RG, they stole H-Town takeover away from the Cougs. How about that? Really good story over there. Just really happy for the for the Rice Owl program. Oh, great to hear. Yeah, I mean, like uh, more Houston teams winning, uh, the better and more exciting to cover there for you. We're going to get into uh, some Astros in tomorrow's show and check out the last show that we did with uh, the original voice of Major League Baseball's Game of the Week, Buddy Blattner. He passed away 10 years ago. But if you listen, you're going to learn why. I'm just playing back an interview that I did with him for the first time ever. Nobody's ever heard this interview. How's that for a tease? Go listen to that. It's, a, it's pretty cool that uh, I was able to, to pull that interview off and, and be able to share that with you guys. So, again, Buddy Blattner on the last podcast. We're going to talk Astros tomorrow. Uh, we'll talk to you later. Have a good one, everybody. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. Give us a five-star review on iTunes when you get the chance and tell your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.